Oh, what's well, its own? Is that what that is? <laughs> uh, yeah, you are because like my phone suddenly made a little thing on. That's not why I brought the phone, but I brought it to read something. I didn't have time to write it down. Uh, we're going to turn to Isaiah um, 50, New American Standard, and we're going to do a couple of verses, and um, I'm going to head eventually towards Samuel, and I might make Samuel today, hopefully, unless I stray, which is possible. Um, Has God ever mess with you? I mean, just does, does something, uh, huh? Seriously? Yeah, yeah. I mean, does he mess with you like that? I, I, I was coming uh, downtown to the church t uh, to meet some guys yesterday morning, and so I, I usually have thing, chores I want to do. And so it was about 5.45. Now, 5.45 is... You know, the sun's up and at this time of the year, and it's a little bit lighter. And so I was about three blocks away from the church starting to whine, which is a normal morning prayer thing, I think. At least I do. And the whining was, wow, God, life's so confusing this last week. Um, I'm, I'm not hearing you very well. I, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what you're up to. Um, Man, I'm just not hearing you very well. And within another block, um, the particular street I'm going down, uh, there's a couple of traffic lights that change together, and so I have two green lights in a row. So I get to the first light, and I go through it, and I know that I'll get the next light without trying. I won't have to rush it. I'll be there. And halfway through the block, the Spirit says really clearly, be careful at the next intersection. Take it slowly. I slowed down my normal speed, which was just normal, you know, like 25 miles an hour. I slowed down, and uh, a car with all the windows open in it, a really large car, uh, is coming, and I can't see him. And uh, his light is red, but he sees my truck at the last second, and I'm taking it slow because I'm, I'm not even approached the intersection and he stops like I should stop there's a car coming and he has the green light by the time he stopped he was almost directly under the traffic light <laughs> so I decided is he going to go or is he going to wait so he's just looking at me like while well, I was going to run that and so I just went around the front end of his car and went okay you do talk I mean I, I do hear you when you won't to tell me, I appreciate that because I just had a tune-up in my truck and I probably had to have a bunch of body work <laughs> done on the side of the car. We, we all need to hear God. Now, we all hear in different amounts and we all, I believe, uh, with practice, you know, it talks about discernment is increased through practice. I think we can get better at working with the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does. With things. Well, one of those things is that he communicates. Now, was it, it might have been the last time I spoke or the time before that, but um, I was talking about the apostolic, about, in this case, church planting. Uh, and so the uh, Ephesians, um, let's go to, a, let's don't go wherever I said. I told you I was going to, I'm, I didn't, I'm not going there. I'll, I'll go there in a minute. <laughs> Okay, yeah, Brooke's laughing. Now he's acting normal. Okay, Ephesians 4, verse 11 through 16, where we have been a zillion times. I know you're tired of it, and I read that before, but, you know, I'm beginning to believe it's true. I think it's really in here because God wanted to put it in here. He says, New American Standard, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, Amen. to the building up, to the building up, to the building up of the body of Christ. Undoubtedly, of this fivefold ministry, 
There are some not doing their jobs, correctly or not doing their jobs at all, are doing their jobs in an immature way, way because how can we measure? It's like you measure by the building up of the body of Christ. So, I mean, I know we're all responsible on our end, but those that are in these, um, these equipping jobs have an effect on whether or not people are being equipped. Verse 13, until all, so they're going to be around, we're going to have this five-fold thing working, until all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the statue, which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children. Huh. So, if we get the five-fold stuff working, we will grow up <laughs> more. So we can measure the church in our country, any church in, in a city or some other country, and we can tell probably how well the ones doing the fivefold things are doing because it's how grown up the church is in that country. And uh, Karen, some of y'all that travel, you, you know, Privately, you tell us about when you go someplace and it's, it's more grown up or less grown up in different parts of the world, right? So uh, it is true. Uh, to the maturity, okay, so no longer to be children, verse 14, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine and by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects... So speaking the truth in love, there's a good measurement. We're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. So we have our older brother is the boss also. From whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. We could do a whole lot better in America. I know we could do a whole lot worse, but we could do a whole lot, whole lot better if, if we would uh, practice these things and pray for people that are being called into this, these five different areas. We need those continuously being called out at different points of time because the way it is down here until the Lord comes back, we age out and we go to live with him and people are born. And so there's always an exchange. Billy Graham was great at evangelism, but he's not here. Oral Roberts, I was raised with watching him before I went to church in the morning at my parents' house, and he had a white, he always wore a white shirt. He was sitting on a chair on the edge of a stage, having these, they had ramps come up, and he would be laying hands on people, like if the show came on at 9 a.m., and I, would, I was raised with watching someone praying for the sick regularly, but he's with God. Uh, another prophetic person, Bob Jones, that I've been around, been in the same room with a number of times. And he's given us words for our city. Bob Jones, who was struck by lightning twice. And an interesting, an interesting man, if you've been around him, and you can find him saying things on YouTube. Uh, he's with the Lord. We need some replacement people. I mean, they're out there. They're in different ages. Uh, they may be some of them being called today uh, to, to a ministry, the beginning of something, or it may be a gradual growing into something. Uh, people gradually grow into being pastors. They don't always get a, uh, something uh, or, or teachers or apostolic people who make a trail where there isn't one and start something in some part of the world or some some um, time period, some generational place. Um, you know, people are called to evangelism, especially when they're jumping on you all the time because you're not evangelizing enough, then you know, I bet they're probably got an evangelistic gift because none of us do it enough for them. That's usually the sign to me that they're an evangelist. 
But, and, and then there's other gifts operating. You know, we, you don't see the intercessor in this list, but there's people that intercede. They're really good at interceding. You know, uh, bringing up things, people uh, praying for countries, different stuff. Um, I've gone back to Isaiah, so I must have finished. How about Isaiah 50, uh, verse 2? Lord, speak to us. If I, I was thinking earlier, but I didn't say it out loud, but speak to us. Each, each one of us here, each one that's going to watch this with time, call to, call to awareness exactly what you want us to be aware of. In Jesus' name. Isaiah's, you know, premier Old Testament, one of the major prophets, says, "Why in verse 2, Why was there no man when I came? The Lord is speaking. When I called, why was there none to answer? Is my hand so short that it can't, can't ransom, cannot ransom? Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, I can dry the sea with my rebuke. I can make the rivers a wilderness. Their fish stink for lack of water and and die of thirst. I can clothe the heavens with sackcloth and I can make, I mean, with blackness and make sackcloth their covering. I'm God. I I can do this. Why wasn't someone listening? So, we all are supposed to listen. But some of us have more of a job to be on the watchtower or to be on the overlook or to be someplace that there's a a stronger call to be one that's paying attention. That hears while they're awake or God talks to them through dreams or they talk to them when they're awake and they have a, an open vi- a vision that is so strong that it overrides what they're physically seeing. They start seeing something. Hopefully it's not when you're driving, pull off the road maybe, um, but um, they see stuff. How about Isaiah 59? Verse 15. Verse 15 and 16. He says, yes, truth is lacking. And he who turns aside from evil makes himself a prey. Like, not prey, but a prey like, uh, sort of like the hawks see something down there. Wow, someone who turns aside from evil. It kind of opens you up, sort of like, I don't know, Brooke, could you use that phrase, uh, that idiom, there's no honor among thieves. Would that apply? Kind of? You can kind of work it. I thought of it. I wrote it over on the edge. Like, wow, you can't even trust the other people that do evil with you. If you quit doing evil, then you they might do more to you. Yeah. Now the Lord saw, and it was displeasing in his sight, that there was no justice. And he saw that there was no man or woman and was astonished that there was no one to intercede. And then his own arm brought salvation to him, and his righteousness upheld him. And then if you go on and keep reading, you recognize it's kind of, it's Jesus is coming. Jesus is going to make things as they should. But, but he's astonished there's no one to intercede. That no one, is, no one has grown into the awareness that we should do this. Now, why would we do it? We would be stupid doing it unless it actually had an effect. Intercession has an effect. Do you remember the story about Moses, the, uh, the, the part where God is really ticked off with Israel? They're out in the desert. They're, they're complaining. I don't know if this is one of the, probably they're going, we're tired of the manna. We're tired of being out here. We miss Egypt. We miss garlic we miss all this stuff 
And, and uh, this might not be the place right th- that I may mix parts of the story, but it, the point, God has had it with them. And he, and he says to Moses, I'm going to wipe them out and I'm going to make you the head of a new people group. And Moses didn't say, that's a great idea. I've always wanted to do that. He starts this, like, he, of course, he can't take God aside and talk to him, but that's what he's doing. He's taking him, I don't know how you take the creator of the universe who's come down in a cloud probably, and <laughs> how do you, like, could, can we step over here? Or I'll just step over here, you just kind of float over. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how that scene's playing out, but, but <laughs> Moses gives God some wisdom. You ever think about that? I mean, Moses, talking to the creator, says, this won't look good. You'll get a bad reputation in other parts of the world if you wipe them all out and you make something new out of me. So God doesn't. Was he just doing that so Moses would do this? Like, was this just, was he messing with him because he knew Moses would, would do this kind of stuff? I don't know. It might have been a real thing. I mean, that might have been a real time-space moment right there. He might have started over and they'd be called Moselites or something. I don't, I don't you know. And the Moselites moved through the desert. <laughs> uh, It's confusing that the creator of the universe comes down and interacts with us in time space, in, in the actual time space, you know, and I think it's a real thing going on. Now, I know he's maybe got like, well, I know everything from the beginning to the end at the same time, but in time space, I'm interacting with you exactly in the moment. Things are, things are affecting things on the timeline. I, I think that's how maybe it works. I could be wrong. Um, I'm going to back, back up to the Torah, to uh, the first five books of the Bible, the last one called Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 28. Seven through 14. So God had spoken to Moses, you know, these, the Jewish people called it the Torah, the books of the law. This is 28 verse 7. The Lord shall cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you, and they will come out against you one way and will flee before you seven ways. And the Lord will command the blessings upon you and your barns and all that you put your hand to, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. And the Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself. Let's stop for a second. He's talking to Israel, but this also applies to the church because we have now been grafted on to the olive tree and we are in the time of the Gentiles. And so he's working with Israel, but he's working a lot with the non-Israel Jewish believers. And then according to the prophets, there's going to be a time when uh, the Jewish people are going to uh, connect, become the lead part again. Uh, and all this is going to play out as Jesus, somewhere he went about when he's coming. I'm sawing a limb off as I can hear it almost fall below me. That was, there's no point in going out there. I had Jack's coffee today instead of McDonald's. It's, I think it's stronger. I think it's Royal Cup. I know you don't care, but <laughs> I'm lost is what I'm doing. I'm trying to find the, the sentence I was on. Okay, uh, verse 9, I will establish you as a holy people to himself. God, the Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself. And as he swore to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, so all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will be afraid of you. Verse 11, and the Lord will make you abound in prosperity 
and in the offspring of your body, and in the offspring of your beast, and in the produce of your land, everything is going to increase that you're getting involved in. In the land which the Lord swore to our fathers to give you, verse 12, and the Lord will open for you his good storehouse to the heavens and give rain to your land in its season and to bless all the works of your hand and you shall lend to the nations but you shall not borrow. Now they're out in the desert when he's being told this. They haven't gotten there. They're, in fact, they're out there for 40 years. And so this is being given to Moses, uh, to Moses out there. Verse 13, And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you only will be above, and you will not be beneath. And if you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I, I charge you today, and to observe them carefully, and do not turn aside from any of the words which I command you today, to the right or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. Now, the, this is the one of the two prophetic things I think I heard weeks ago, and, it's, and it gets stronger as time goes on, so... I, I believe this is one of the things where I said one day that I believe in a quiet time by myself, he says, one of the problems is, is that the church has become the tail and not the head. There's some movie about going like the, like the tail is wagging the dog instead of the other way around. Is, is that the name of it? There's actually a movie about that. Okay, well, uh, I remember that line, you know, from it. And, 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 and we are this way. Uh, I don't know about the other countries. I think, in, and I think we can say it's true of our country. And, and so uh, here we actually have it. They were supposed to lead and follow him. And in following him, there are a, more and more, they have more and more things of blessings in their life. Now, I, I know that you have individual stories and it doesn't go that way, but as a group of people, uh, it's that way. How about Matthew chapter 7? Now, see, if you come to the 4 o'clock service, you do this regularly because Todd goes all over the Bible and in like 30 minutes, there's like, I've got my... I don't have enough fingers to go to all the places, so I put little slips of paper in there. <laughs> I'm following in Todd's footsteps. Chapter 7, verse 24. And I've told you this from my own experience in my backyard, and I have not finished repairing the problem there. I've gotten on other projects, but I plan to go back. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, Jesus is talking, may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. When Jesus had finished, speak, finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teachings, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. My experience with rebuilding a patio that I built seven years ago was because I put it on too much sand. I floated the stones too high. Our Western culture, uh, and if I talk to Brooke, the English slash historian person would say that our problem in the West comes from what? The Enlightenment probably is about when this started. Yeah, 
Yeah, we kind of, we kind of, yeah, so Brookie is saying that, yeah, it's about the time that the West, the church in the West started gradually losing. The stone that we were built on, if we think of it upon the Judeo-Christian heritage, right, it starts being replaced by sand, little bits by little bits by little bits. And, you know, a structure will stay there. And then if you see sinkhole stuff in Florida now is a real obvious place because there's so many people move there and so many people are pumping water out of different places that, you know, you, you park your car in the parking lot and you come back and your car and 12 other cars are all at the bottom of a sinkhole. Or the end of your house has broken off during the night and is in a sinkhole. Because all of that which was underground has because it used the water and the rock and all this, you know, and, and it, it has removed that which it sits on. Our spiritual culture, the culture, the natural culture, is sitting on sand. So there's forming a lot of cracks and stuff are falling off into spiritual, natural sinkhole things. This has got to be put back as stone. And... God can, has got ways of doing this, and our part is, is that we need to just make sure we're not building on sand. My whole house, is, thank goodness, is not cracking and, and, and sunk in places like my patio because it's set on a 1954 foundation. And they did well enough that there were no cracks in any of the brick all around the house when we moved there. It may still be that way. We have some really big trees now. And the front, they weren't that big when we moved there like 15 years, a, a while back. Um, so if you want to intercede, ask the Lord to start replacing the sand in your life and in, the, and in your church's life and in your neighborhood's life and all the very, everything, the whole part of the country you live in or the just make it the whole Western culture if you want to. I don't know. Uh, all these, what, we have 100, 183 countries in the world right now. And they're all at different places. So, replace the sand. And quit being the tail and start being the head. Now, to, be, to do that one, it's going to, I think... Um, start reading the scripture to, to know what's there, what he said through the, this heritage that is built up over time. And then, how to, and then you ask him, what do you want me to do about some of this? Um, I've been going through Proverbs lately again because I haven't in a while. Like, There's a lot of really good stuff in Proverbs. There's a lot of having to write the word ouch out to the end of a places. I have I usually buy Bibles with wide columns where I can make a lot of, you know, ouch was one of my, um, one of my friends as a history teacher, uh, Wayne Finley, taught me that uh, indirectly. I, I would borrow a book from him and there would, uh, and, and he and I had gotten it from a pastor that we had. We, this pastor had a really large set of books and uh, all, he didn't have a ladder, but he really needed a rolling ladder and he'd climb up on the bookcase and pitch books down to us to read because he knew we were both in different places kind of and I'd swap it with Wayne and go he's, he's written the word ouch along the edges what do you suppose he's what do you suppose he's talking about <laughs> and then Wayne started writing in his books ouches and I understood his better and then I would find things that wouldn't do me that way and I especially blame started reading A.W. Tozer and I started writing on the columns. Uh, uh, this man with his 59 cent prayer rug. He bought him a little rug for 59 cents. He'd roll it out and get on it every day and pray. Pretty wise guy. Isaiah. No, not Isaiah. What am I Samuel. Let's go to Samuel, the first of Samuel. Samuel 1. That's page 448 if you're in, my, in a Bible like mine. <laughs> it 
Oh, there's a picture of my rocks when they used to. It's too bad I can't show you this. This is where the sand, it was still good, and you can see there's no cracks. Facebook every so often sends me like, you know, you remember this from seven years ago? Yes, I do. I wish it looked like that. So, if you could see, let's don't hit delete. If you could see this, this is the original cover of a book called The Hobbit. J.R.R. Tolkien wrote it in 1937. The opening line to The Hobbit. The Hobbit takes place 53 years before the Lord of the Rings trilogy. When a hobbit goes on a little adventure, hobbits don't like to go on adventures. Hobbits like to stay home and eat, what, seven times a day? Something like that. They have a lot of meals. There's a lot of... And Bilbo Baggins was went on an adventure. And it opens by saying, in a hole in the ground there lived a hobbit. Not a nasty, dirty, wet hole filled with the ends of worms and other oozy smells, nor yet a dry, bare, sandy hole with nothing in it to sit down on or to eat. It was a hobbit hole, and that means comfort. Hobbits like to be comfortable. That's the beginning of a great saga, isn't it? The Hobbit, and then you read the, the Lord of the Rings, the three volumes of that. And those four volumes together is a, a story and a half. How about this one? The beginning line of a series of stories lasting nine in all, George Lucas wrote something called Star Wars. The very first one, A New Hope, C-3PO, the gold, it was gold, right? Gold-colored robot guy. He opens, the movie opens with, did you hear that? They shut down the main reactor. We'll be destroyed for sure. This is madness. He's talking to R2-D2. And thus begins another great saga, and we hear about Jedis and all this stuff. How about one more? First sentence in the Chronicles of Narnia, from the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Once there were four children whose names were Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. Great stories, great true stories, start somewhere. Now, there was a certain man from the hill country of Ephraim, and his name was Ekanah, and it gives his lineage, and he's an Ephraimite. Verse 2, and he has two wives, and the name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man would go up from his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hopni and Phinehas, were priests to the Lord there. The ark has ended up in Shiloh, and they have built a temporary place for it. And it's going to stay there until King David comes along and, they, and they, uh, uh, there's going to be some movement and stuff. And it's come back there because, you remember, it was taken and then they sent it back on a cart and it found its way back to them and then it ended up being in this place. So we begin with this husband with two wives, one doesn't have children, and the other one does. Verse 4, And when the day came that he sacrificed, he gave portions to um, Panana, his wife, and all of her sons and her daughters. So she's got a bunch of kids. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly to to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. Verse 7, And it happened year after year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, 
she would provoke her, so she wept and would not eat. Jealousy, maybe? Something? Probably jealousy, because she could tell that her husband, despite that she had children, he had a special place for Hannah, maybe. And then her husband would say to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why don't you eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Being a guy, talking like a guy. And Hannah said in verse 9, she rose after eating and drinking in, in Shiloh. And now Eli was the priest sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. So Eli is the high priest. You only have one high priest at a time. He's at Shiloh because the high priest hangs out where the ark is. He's got him a seat by the doorpost of, the temp of this little temple area that they set up there, made him a place. Verse 10, and she was greatly distressed, praying to the Lord and wept bitterly. Verse 11, and she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your handmaid and remember me and not forget your handmaid, but will give your handmaid a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and a razor shall not come on his head. That is a Nazarite vow. She has just made a Nazarite vow to God. A Nazarite is marked by, they don't cut their hair. They are um, bound by this law, by this vow of consecration. And let's see. They abstain from wine and, and uh, alcoholic drinks, and they avoid contact with the dead. They would have to do, you know, everybody when they were around a dead body had certain things to do, but especially the Nazarites. This is an elite group. You would probably recognize them by going, man, that guy's hair's long. And you notice he's, he just drinks water and stuff you, you would you could tell by his behavior one of them and so his mom she's a she's real aware of the of the, of the nazarite set apartness so in effect she says if you will give me a son i will um I'll give him to you, and I'll tell him that because I had him that he, he's got to live as a Nazarite, and I won't, I'll start by not cutting his hair. I'll start it, and then he'll carry on. In verse 12, so it came about as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart. Only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. And Eli said to her, How long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah replied, No, my Lord, I am a woman oppressed or severe in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Trying to explain her behavior. Do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman. Because he's getting on to her. You know, the high priest is getting on to you. And here she's doing this vow before God. She's come there. She just, she's in distress. This has been going on year after year. This is the, this is the moment. And Eli, she says, don't consider your maidservant as a worthless woman, for I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. Verse 17, and then Eli answered and said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. 
So he's speaking out of the office of high priest. And probably the Lord hangs out around the tabernacles there. It's a good place to have an interaction. And she said in 18, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Verse 19. Then they arose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned again to their house. Her husband had relations with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And it came about in due time that after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son. And she named him, God has heard, Samuel. So every time you heard Hannah call out to her little boy, Samuel, come here. Everybody knows what all the proper names in their culture means. Everybody hears Hannah say, God has heard, come here. Time to come in, God has heard. It's always a double thing. Everybody's name has a, it means what it meant. You know, they say it, but it has a meaning behind it. Eli means ascent. Yahweh is most high. His boys, Phineas means brazen mouth. <laughs> hmm, <laughs> interesting. Hopney means um, kind of a, uh, a client, sort of like a, 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 a client list, sort of. Uh, Hannah means favor, grace. Uh, the other wife's name means pearl, precious stone. Hus- the husband's name is God has purchased. They all got meanings besides just the names that you and I think of. God has heard, saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. So then the man, Ikanah, went, um, went up with all of his household to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned, and then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. Her husband says to her, Do what seems best to you. Remain until you've weaned him. Only may the Lord confirm his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Verse 24, and when she had weaned him, she took him up with the three-year-old bull and the effort of flour, the right amount, a jug of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, although the child was young. They slaughtered the bull, and they would have uh, put the flour in the proper way of doing it, and they would have poured the wine out. And all this would have been in the proper Jewish way of making a sacrifice here. Um, And they brought the boy to Eli, and she said, Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord, for this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him. So I've also dedicated him, dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord. So there again, he's, she's referencing to the Nazarite being set apart. Samuel is set apart. God has heard, has been set apart. And Eli, he worshiped the Lord there. Sure, there was anointing in the moment. We don't know what the boy is going to become.
Luke is tinkering with a little R2-D2 unit and suddenly a little bitty pitcher starts playing. It's Princess Leah. She's left a message. She said, help me, Obi-Wan, you're our only hope. It says it over and over again. Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan. All I know is old Ben Kenobi that lives such and such down the road. The starting of a great saga begins somewhere. All kinds of things. We're, we are used to great stories. We know the rest of the story. We know who Samuel is. But right now, he's just a little boy. He's just a little boy that's going to miss his mom. And at the same time, he's going to be fascinated by all this going on. All this sacrificing, these animals being brought, there's always a trail of people coming. The awareness that feels different here. He won't have words for this. He's little. But the awareness that the Spirit of God is present in this place, that it's an interesting place to live. I'm sure his mom comes probably and visits with her husband when she comes there in the coming years. And he's going to grow up. We need prophets. Amen. We need all, all five, but we need prophets. Right now would be a really good time to have some prophets. So Lord, we ask today for all fivefold, all, all of these um, areas to develop, but we ask you to today, by your spirit, we're saying it now, but it can be whenever you want this to be, right now, later, call out the prophets. We care about all five, but today, call out the prophets. You have those that hear you. You told us that we could all hear you in this New Testament era, so we all are a prophet for the moment sometimes. We all hear something, whether it's stop at the intersection and don't go on through on the lot, like I had happen yesterday, or something profound. We need to hear prophetically. So I ask for everyone in the room right now that you increase their ability to hear and see your will. That in their heart of hearts, just you know that you know something. And that you will, as you increase this, you will increase their batting average, like playing ball, you know, the more that they learn to uh, play ball, the, the better, the, uh, the further they hit the ball, the more times they don't strike out. Increase it, Lord. Increase it. And there is a, uh, in Jesus' name, there is an interesting, um, Nori Kelly was our first worship leader, and Nori posted the other day um, a Bob Jones, um, I'll try to post it on our church webpage, the link to it. Bob Jones um, had a word in, um, I think it started maybe in, in uh, 2003, but he gives it at the time, he, his daughter, I guess, is filming it because his wife's with the Lord. And uh, he's talking, sitting in his easy chair. He's getting pretty old at this time. And uh, it's in 2010 when he's giving this word. This word applies to now. I mean, he said it started then, but it, and it may have, but it's now. And he goes on, and, I, and they don't mention it on this. Bonnie put it online a few months ago. Um, and he mentions a word for 
a short one for the year since it's 2010. He, he has a word for the, for the year 2020. He has a short sentence or so for the year 2030, for the year 2040, for the year 2050. Now, I don't know about all those out there, but in li listening to him, because I had already in the afternoon felt led to go to Samuel, you know, it's like sometimes uh, in, in saying, what do you want to talk about today, Lord? Sometimes it takes a few minutes for me, like he says, like, you need to go read some, or you need to go worship some. You need to uh, sort of like, not yet, or you've got to get kind of centered in me. And yesterday, I had that typical, like, it's Saturday, I need to kind of start focusing in on what do you want to talk about? And immediately he said, Samuel. Where in Samuel? No, Samuel. So later in the day, I listened to Bob Jones. It's about 55 minutes long, the whole thing. You can listen to it in parts. And he says some things. He says, um, he talked about, uh, I'll just give you this one, I'll end with this. He talked about ships, and you know, you know the, we all know this is true. Like if, 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 you're in, if you're in a port and we've got a hurricane coming, you, you take the ship further out to sea, you anchor the ship, and you point it in the direction of the storm so that the anchors are at the, mainly at, there's a back anchor, but there's a really strong front anchor so that the waves coming in a storm come across the very front. You don't want it to hit the ship from the side. You'll, you'll reposition it if you need to, but you face the storm. We need to face the storm as long as there's a storm going on. So, why it's still the Lord's day? Worship the Lord today. His arm is not short. He knows exactly where we are. He knows exactly where you are. He says that you are like the pupil of his eye. He calls it the apple of my eye. He says, I have your name inscribed upon my hand. You're never very far away from my thoughts. He doesn't do that for two or three people. Then I don't have any more brain power. I can't cover but three at a time. <laughs> we are like him as his children, but his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. He says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways and my thoughts above your ways and your thoughts. So this awesome creator out, that invents time space wants a relationship with you and me in time space. This is bizarre. The truth is so beyond any, any famous story. You'll have a good day.